Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you've given me with my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you have kept us in good health, Lord, in perfect peace. And I thank you, Lord, for preserving those that we had not seen in a while, that they're now in fellowship with us again. Lord, I pray for those who have been here that are not here tonight that may be going through things. I pray, Lord, for those who have been here, Lord, and have not been back. I pray that you watch over them, Lord. And if it's anything that's keeping them from serving you effectively and coming after you, I ask in the name of Jesus that those shackles be broken, that they might follow you. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those out there who are homeless, who don't have anything. I'm praying tonight, Lord, that your word be glorified, Lord, and that no flesh gets glorified at all. We just pray in Jesus' name that you just show us everything that we need to see. And we pray, Lord, that you teach us your message and that your Holy Ghost falls mightily, Lord. For some of the things that we can forget as we pursue you, Lord, are the basics. So I'm praying, Lord, as we go over those things tonight and what you desire for us, that your words will be heard and that our hearts will be open to receive it. For you said, Lord, that those, all those who will live godly will suffer tribulation, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Well, in this time of deception, Lord, I pray that we be counted among the remnant. I pray that we be those, Lord, who's, who will stay, Lord, with you, that we won't be conflicted, that we won't be double-minded, Lord, that we may do all that you call us to, for you are a righteous and everlasting God, and you call your people to be holy and faithful unto you and unto you alone. And I pray, Lord, that you do these mighty works for your glory and for your honor, because aside from you, Lord Jesus, there is nothing that we can do. So do it, Lord, because you can and because you will. In Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Them That Are Christ. Them That Are Christ. You know, like with the um, comma and the S. Like those that belong to Jesus Christ. So, you know, the Lord led me upon this particular study because I think sometimes we can get so wound up in information and so many things that we're trying to gain in the Lord that we can forget some of the things that he wants us to do to be his. And as we touch this subject of them that are Christ, it's just so funny how, man, there were so many scriptures that popped up that the Lord was trying to show us that real Christians could be identified as his people 
So I think it's going to be an interesting study. And the Lord gave me a um, video today that we're going to hear from Pastor Price, which um, is going to, i tell you what, it helped put me back in perspective. I mean, it was about a guy who uh, the Lord gave him a vision of things that would come. He said that he watched a lot of out-of-body experiences, things like that on video. But he asked the Lord for a real one because he didn't want one like from a cultist. And the Lord actually showed this guy everything that was going on on the other side. And, you know, it just taught me, it's teaching me that I can't take the Lord for granted, you know, because, man, there are no unbelievers beyond the grave. We can, we can debate, we can believe whatever we want to believe here. But on the other side of things, everyone knows, believing and unbelieving, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, you know, we, uh, it's going to be a good study tonight. I just think that um, we have to keep in mind that the Lord is just, you know, he loves us is why he tells us the things that he tells us, because he doesn't want us to fall away. He doesn't want us deceived. He doesn't want us thinking things up that are not true. And I think that that really is love to tell someone the truth. All of truth is confrontational, even though at times... When I'm sitting here teaching, man, these messages cut my guts out. While the Lord is showing me things, I'm seeing things in me. You know, you can be too proud. You can have this. You can have that. But praise the Lord for it because he's giving me more to work on. So um, I think before we get going, uh, I want to go to, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll start at verse 12. And then from there, we're going to hear a short clip of uh, this guy that was on Pastor Price's video. And then from there, we're going to get right into the lesson. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. All right, everybody there? All right, so he says... Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, you know, if we talk this way today in the modern natural world, we will be perceived as crazy. How many times have you ever known that something happened and you know that it had a spiritual thing to it? This wasn't just an accident. I didn't leave my keys at home three times for nothing. My car didn't break down for absolutely nothing. Or, you know, whatever the situation is, we recognize that, you know, there are some things that don't happen. They're not strange. There are reasons behind this, okay? So we know that everything behind everything physical, there can be a spiritual component with it. So he says, think it not strange when you go through these fiery trials. I mean, there were days I remember even going to work where, you know, I would leave the house, no umbrella, umbrella in a sunny day, no umbrella. It'll start raining hard and heavy, but I'm too far from the house to go back and get it. As soon as I get to work, the clouds go away and the sun pops back out. And I'm just like, oh boy, you know, like that kind of day. But sometimes, you know, don't think of it as strange. You know, there's a reason behind everything, but rejoice. And as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also, also with exceeding joy. 
So he's telling us that we rejoice when we are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now, we know that Jesus Christ went through so much, but he's saying, man, rejoice in this because your reward is going to be so much greater than anything that you can deal with here. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you on their part. He is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So what we make clear and we understand here that he's talking about that if the Holy Ghost rests on you. Now remember, this whole world is supposed to be evil. It's supposed to belong to the wicked one. So when the spirit rests on you, that you're going to go through things, things are going to happen. And you're going to be looked at as an evildoer. Why? Because in other words, you are not of this world. When you partake of the Holy Ghost and he comes in your life, you are not like the world. There is something in you that is different that, you know, you don't even have to get rid of friends and tell them you're going to serve the Lord. Some of these people will abandon you all by themselves because you're a different life type. When Jesus came, it was so funny that once the spirit fell on him, where did the spirit lead him? into the wilderness. When he ended up in the wilderness, then came the devil with his temptations to try and stop him. So when the spirit rests on us, we are going to suffer or things are going to come our way simply because of who we identify with. But he said on your part, Jesus Christ is glorified. So you will be spoken of as evil because people hate Jesus Christ, but you glorify him because he stands in you December of 2017 or whenever the Lord is using you. So it's just so important that we wear the banner of Jesus, not just on us or in our mouths, but in our hearts. Because when we glorify him, he gets the glory. So the Lord just wants us to be in certain places so he can say, look at my son. Look at Christ in him doing what I called him to do. All right, so it says in verse 15, but let none of you suffer in as a... Uh, as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busy, a busybody in other men's matters. Now, I won't lie, this was something I struggled with for a long time. I mean, I would hear people gossiping, and right away, I was right there in the midst of it, you know, talking about it. But we learned that these are things that, you know, the Holy Ghost doesn't want us to be a partaker in, because if we're really of Christ, then we should be doing what Jesus wants. But you see, the worldly things or things that are natural lead you in these places, sensual realms, things to mess with your emotions when God wants you on task. Like, in other words, busybody and it's kind of like you're so involved in other people's matters that you don't have time to understand what the Lord is calling you to do. So, you know, and he's feeling if you can sit here and gossip, you can talk about me. So it just totally takes your mind off of the goal and what he wants. Exactly. So then he says in 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So he's saying, man, if judgment is going to begin in the house of God, but every single believer... Are we glorifying the Lord in our lives or are we not? He said, man, and it's going to be brought there first. Think about what will happen to those who don't obey the gospel of God. So then he says, and if the righteous 
scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So what does this mean? I hate to break this to everybody, but we're going to get in by the skin of our teeth. It is going to be the righteousness of Jesus Christ is what brings us in. Because what he's making clear here is if the righteous are scarcely saved, then that means that, man, you know, the whole world is full of wickedness. So we cannot take our salvation for granted. We've got to believe God. We've got to rely on him. We got to be like little Annalia in her mom's arms right now. Lord, what should I do? Feed me, nurture me till I can walk, hold my hand, guide me as I live. Because the Bible even tells us, aside from what God wants us to do, or, or, or if we don't come as children, we cannot see the kingdom of God. So that tells us there that we need to be of the kingdom of God. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So our heart should be towards our brethren as we are, I mean, as the Lord is towards us. He says, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. So if you are doing the will of God, you are sure to suffer. This also makes clear that doing the will of God is not always going to feel good. It's not going to feel good to get down in prayer when you've had a long day and you worked and all you can see is your bed like, man, I just want to sleep. But the Lord is saying, on your knees. And you're like, you know, and then you get down there for a little, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. And that turns into a greater prayer because you ever feel like when the Spirit keeps you on your knees, you want to get up, but your conscience is being convicted so you continue praying. And then there's a breakthrough and at that point, you're just flowing. You don't want to get up. You've lost all track of time, and you're just doing what the Lord called you to do. Exactly. And so, you know, when the Bible says that the flesh is weak, it truly is. But the spirit is willing. But when we are going to do the will of God, it is not always going to make you feel good. The Lord is going to bring you into places, sometimes confrontational, sometimes the nastiest, filthiest places, just so that souls can get saved. That is the walk of a Christian. If we are truly instruments of God, then he should lead us in everything we do. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in order for us to have that acceptable and perfect will of God, we have got to yield to the will of God and let him dictate what we do in our lives. Because, you know, the subject we talked about last week was very intense, but you know what? It's not about where you work. It's not about what you do. Let the Lord dictate what you do. You may be here today, gone tomorrow. You may be living here today. You may be gone tomorrow. It just depends. You have to let the Lord tell you when to do certain things and let us be obedient unto him and what he calls. Because if we tell the Lord, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, then you're disobeying the Lord. You know, so we are only going to submit to our true God. Whatever, whatever it is that we submit to is our God. So that's what we got to make clear. So I'm going to um, play this short clip. You guys are going to find this interesting because I know I did. 
I mean, it scared me back into reality. So, all right, let's play this. is under assault and we've got to step up to defend it it's not that hard it won't take long we're going to get into this thing and show it to you real fast and hopefully you take it to heart and move out in the deeper water let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this time of sharing thank you for the word of god ask you god to take these words and make them alive to the hearers that we can walk in the spirit not fulfilling the lust of the flesh in these last days you need another kind of person god somebody's going to actually do this and not talk about it. God knows we got enough folks talking to stack, stack them ceiling high in 10 warehouses. All this talking with nothing being done. Everybody wants to debate and discuss and go back and forth talking all day long. God, we want to put traction to this and take action that's going to see Jesus Christ magnified and manifested to the world. God, recreate in us a clean heart, create a right spirit in us, and let us be used to go forth to deliver folks and set them free. Not looking to be religious, looking to be righteous. Why should the devil always get all the promotion and all the edification and him being put into the limelight? Why is the devil always seen as the one that's victorious? It's time for the church to rise up, Lord, and be seen as a light in the midst of darkness. Bring us alive to do the works of God in these last and evil days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right, we're talking about the defenders of the faith. Defenders of the faith. What are we getting ready to experience down here? We're going to show you a quick uh, video. It's a, a quick video to show you what the future will look like when you leave here. As this young man tells you about a dream that he had that kind of exposes what the future looked like to him in this dream. I believe it's a pretty accurate dream of how life will be after you leave here. Remember, the, the most important thing is, where will you be the day after you die? Think about that now. Process that. Where will I be the day after I die? Because you're not going to be dead. You're going to be alive, but just alive somewhere else. So the thing is, not about if you're alive. You will be because you're a spirit. You're a spirit with a soul living in a physical body. This body will die and release your spirit out of it. Where will you be the day after you die? Let's take a listen to this young man as he describes what he experienced in this dream that he believes the Lord shows him, and it sounds pretty valid to me. October 2nd, the most traumatizing and awakening day of my life. Me and Rob will be married three years in this October. And in those three years, God has really been growing him. And the way he has been dealing with him has been... very peculiar I mean the dreams that he brings to him you you only know that it's from God because man couldn't think of these things I mean and he backs it up with his words so 
the dream that you are about to hear is really a testimony from God. And I suggest when you watch this, you not only just watch it and feel that it's something to entertain you, but you evaluate yourself and you make sure your house is in order for when God comes because no man knows the day or the hour because I had to do the same thing. I remember it was on a Thursday. Matter of fact, let's take it back. Wednesday night, I found myself looking at these different YouTube clips and watching different out-of-body experiences and different films that, you know, they used to scare me. And I would watch it and it would blow me away. It would catch my attention. And it used to scare me so bad that I would, I would wonder, I would, my mind used to go in place like, God, is this stuff real? You know, I couldn't understand it because I, I've never been to that place. So um, I found myself uh, praying. I, I remember walking outside of, of my apartment and I was walking back and forth with my eyes closed and just started praying. And I asked God, I said, Lord, if you give me an out-of-body experience, you know, I, I vow to share your word and to tell the people what I saw. You know, um, not expecting that God was going to respond back to that because I was just praying out. I was just praying, you know, uh, not actually looking for a response. And after that night, the next morning, that Thursday, October the 2nd, I had a dream. And my spirit left my body. It was like I was in my apartment and my spirit got pulled out of my body. And I would go in these different transits. Um, the Lord's just working on our patience. Flashing lights, <laughs> and I appeared before a blue sky with no clouds. Uh, it was like a blue place, no land, no trees, no grass, no water, nothing. There was nothing there but a blue atmosphere. And I would see this atmosphere goes millions of miles upon millions of miles where nothing existed. It was like nothing was hidden. Everything was revealed. Everything was before your eyes. You could see it. And what was in this clear kind of body form, some form of light, as a, you refer to a soul or a spirit or more. And, and I could see through it. It was so transparent. And in front of me was thousands among thousands similar to what I was and thousands among thousands behind me and, and I knew that it was some form of a soul and in the middle of my chest were seeds, you know, multiple seeds I didn't know what they were for and I realized that I was the only being that could actually move out of my place and look and observe smell, taste, you know feel all my senses were active at this point and so you know um I began to look around and, and to observe the things that I saw, not knowing that this was a dream. I thought this was reality. I thought this was actually happening, you know. Um, and I looked forward, and it was this great shadow way in front of me, way at the end of the line. It was like thousands and thousands of people in front of me, and there was a shadow, a great big shadow, but it had no detail. It was like a, as a vapor, and I could I could see that it was a shadow of something that was in the front. And um, I, you know, I had many questions at this point in this dream, and out of nowhere, 
I, I, hear, I heard these words, depart from me. And this galaxy, this portal, I don't know what to call it. On the, on, on the right side of, of God, you know, uh, or Jesus Christ, you know, whoever you, you decide to identify that spot of judgment, on the right side of him, there was this big portal that opened up. And there will be stones of fire. And normally when you, 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 you get a lighter and you put it on, try to um, spark a flame, but instead of fire, it was stones. And they will leak out of this portal. And whoever, whoever that guy said, the prophet me flew down this place. And it, the flame, the, the stones were so hot that it would burn everybody outside of that portal. On the left side of our, our body or our form, it would burn us. And it would, everybody would be like, woo! Like, as if it was so cold or so hot, you would tell somebody, close that door, it's too cold. That's how hot it was. And the, the portal closed. And then the he, he sent them so fast that the screams were late. I heard, ah, like, it was like, the pop of me. <laughs> and it closed up. Then the screams come, ah, and it terrified me. And then out of nowhere, something snatched us up. And like we moved up the line. And I began to think, I, I didn't understand where we were. I'm like, oh my God, maybe this is judgment. Yeah, but, you know, I had many questions and I would hear, the pop of me, the part me, the part me, and all these different people will be sitting there. And the part that scared me the most was the people that were getting judged. You could hear when God was talking to them, and you could hear everything they got judged from. So if somebody went to hell for something that you know you stuck with in your life, you know where you were going. And so I'm just saying, people go sit there, boom, boom. And I'm seeing the flame and it's constantly burning everybody outside that haven't been judged yet. And I could hear some of the people um, talking to God. And um, I remember there was a woman, you know, blonde hair. And God was talking to her. He said, I'm not judging you for what you put on Facebook, but I'm judging you on how everybody else received. 300,000 people were led astray by one of her favorite posts. And he said their blood was on her hands. And I know he said, the ball for me. And I'm talking about, I couldn't express how powerful his words were. It's as if he said, the ball for me and everything shook. And she like, she was sitting with great force. And the portal opened up. She was a flash. And it was close. And I, ah! And the scream was so late. People, uh, adultery, uh, 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 fornication, uh, so many different things that I could actually hear. And people in front of me were terrified because a, a lot of those people were struggling or went through the same situation and they never repented. So, thousands and one thousand, they, they were flying so fast. I've never seen something so fast. And it got to the point where I was next in line. And he called me up and he started talking to me. And keep in mind that our life held, held us hand in hand. So anything we did in our life, our, our life testified against us. So you couldn't lie because your life testified. Say, yes, you did. You did this. You did this at this time. Yes, you did. And whenever God would speak to me, you would see a big screen. Like you would see 
as if whatever God says, it comes to life. And so um, he started talking to me and he started telling me everything that I could have did better. And and at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, God, you know, I could do this better. I did it. You know, I did okay with it, but I could have did better. So he began to say other things and he brought up this specific woman. And he asked me, why didn't I forgive her? And he gave me her specific name. I'm not going to say it. He gave me her specific name. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. He asked me, why didn't I forgive her? I said, I did, God. I did forgive her. He said, well, uh, if you forgave her, when you get on the phone and talk to her, why is it that you treat her like the situation happened all over again? And I'm like, God, but I, I didn't forgive her. He said, well, if you forgave her, why are those seeds still in your chest? And I looked down. I was like, oh, my God. That's what those are for. Those are seeds of what I did in my life. The things I didn't forgive. So he was talking to me and I was like, oh my God. And he told me, he looked at me and said, because you didn't forgive her, I didn't forgive you some of your sins. And I was like, oh my God. And he started telling me so many other things and he ain't told me not one good thing yet. And at this point, I'm getting terrified because my mind is starting. I'm going to a place where I'm imagining how hot this this fire is going to be when this portal open. And so, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I, I didn't know how to explain how terrified I was. I, words can't describe. What do you mean? Y'all think words can't describe how terrifying it is to look your creator face to face. And when we're there, there's nothing here from him. There's nothing. Your inner thoughts are revealed before him. Your your how your, your perception, how you feel, everything that host, you hosted in this body is presented before him. And so, you know, he... I got to a point where I just, I, I didn't want to hear God no more. I was really turning my head because I was afraid that, you know, it's already made his mind up. I was so afraid. And so I turned my head and he would just come and tell me everything that I didn't do right or, or I could should, I should have did better. And at this point, I knew I was going to hell. I knew it. I, I, I was fully persuaded that this was it. So I turned my head and I was like, I don't want to hear no more. You know, my mind, I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I don't hear. I'm just really trying to imagine how hot hell is going to be. I'm like, oh my God, Lord, I have no more chance. If I go down there, I can't come back. Like, Lord, please don't send me to hell. Please, like God, please. I'm begging you. And I'm, I, I'm more terrified. Ter I was more terrified than I can express. And so I turned my head and. And at this point, I no longer wanted to hear what he had to say because I knew at this point, you know, I was going to hell. And I would have my head turned, and I know where there was this warm feeling that would come over the, the interface of my soul. And I would turn my head, and it would go in slow motion, and the tears would fly from my face. And I looked at God, and I was looking at his, his judgment, what, what, what was going to be my judgment. And he looked at me, he said, face to face. You don't get it well done. You get it, you better And he stepped back and said, come. And at this point, I was so confused. I'm like, oh my God. And on his left side of God, heaven would open up so soft with brilliant lights. Uh, the colors were undescribable. Like colors I've never seen before in my life. It was so, 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 so pretty, so amazing. And the cubs will blossom as they grow, and as they grew, and 
the heaven will open up so gentle. And I will walk toward that direction and my hand will go in the portal. And when my hand went through, it got bigger. My arm went through, it got bigger. It was like I was going into a, a, a mature state of a glorified body. And so my leg went through and I got bigger. And you can see how big I got on the other side. And, and how my soul was being transformed into a glorified body. And my body would go through it. And the only piece that was left behind was my leg. And right before my last foot got in, uh, I woke up. The dream scared me so bad. I was underneath our living room table for hours. I was so terrified. I was terrified to move. I was terrified to do anything because I was afraid it was going to be added to my judgment. I thought that was the judgment. I, that didn't feel like a dream. I could feel, I could taste, I could tell you how it made me feel. Everything was so alive in the dream. And at that moment, I was asking God, God, why did you give me this dream? He said, because I want you to warn my people that the things which you saw are the things that shall be. And I didn't realize that what I prayed for and the vow I made before God that he was going to fulfill it. Now he's looking for my aid to be fulfilled. So that's why I'm here talking to you right now. Forgive. Let go. I could describe how many people that allow for, for unforgiveness to grow in them and it, and it caused a bitterness which caused them to do things that they got judged for. That thing caused them not to make it to heaven. I was terrified. It was so many people went to hell. And it, it felt like I was, it felt like I was the first one. Like I was a thousand among thousands of people in front of me. That is scary to me. So today I encourage you to get it right with God. Get it right with your fellow friends, your enemies. That church hurt that causes you to attack people inside. Go get it right because hell is not worth it. God, God scared me so bad in this dream, but I knew it was for a reason. So today, choose love. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And that he, he, he died but he rose on the third day. Believe that he's the son of God. Read the scripture and apply it to your life. So that when Jesus comes back, he don't see your flesh. But he sees his word. I encourage you today. Forgive, love, and watch how God changed your life. I thank you for watching. Be blessed. All right, let me turn that off, please. Like the thing, it, the switch is in the back of the um, speaker. But um, you know, it's just something to think about. You know, the funny thing about the truth is, is that 
It doesn't matter if someone even presents it with broken English or whatever, you know. When you hear the truth, you know it. And I don't think someone can make something like that up. Because everything he said, I remember when I first heard it, there was Bible scriptures just popping out to me. Like, for example, work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling. You know, um, examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. And he said that he was afraid. So he was under his table after he woke up. He was afraid to do anything because he didn't think it would. He thought it might be applied to his judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, and when the Bible tells us to fear the Lord, mm -hmm. he, and that's the beginning of all wisdom, it's so that we will only do what the Lord calls us to do. You know, and, and the unfortunate thing about this is God gives us grace. He gives us plenty of time to get to know him. And I think one of the things is we don't understand grace until it's taken away from us. Repentance is a gift, but if we don't use it, you know, this guy has a, a few videos. I got to find his name, but he even talked about one where people were caught up in sexual sin. And he said the devil the night before the Lord came brought every sin to every person, every temptation that everyone would want. And those whose eyes were not on the Lord were caught up in their temptation. And he said that he saw like a smoke in the sky and things were going on. And he went to run outside to see what was happening because it was like a rain and earthquake and stuff was going on. And he said his dad was a police officer in the dream and told him, hey, you need to go back in the house. Everything is going to be fine. So he said he went back in the house and then like maybe minutes later, people just started freaking out in the street. So he ran out there and he was like, what's going on? And they said, man, we messed up. Jesus came back. And he came back for all of them that are his, you know? And it was like, he's gone. And he said that he recognized, because he was raised to believe the Lord, but, you know, he was doing other things in his life. He started calling out to Jesus. And he said Jesus was just like walking away, but he knew that Jesus heard him, but Jesus wasn't listening to him. And he says as the Lord started walking and then he started ascending with his people, he said that the earth just grew colder and colder. It was like the presence of God had truly taken off. And he said he woke up terrified from that dream. Like, man, you don't understand what grace is. You don't understand what repentance is until it's taken away from you. And that's why the Bible even says, like we just read, the day of the Lord is a gloomy day. It is not a day of pure happiness unless you are on the side of Jesus Christ. But even for the believer, you're going to be terrified because, you know, you're in the presence of Almighty God. What can be more frightening than standing before a judge? I mean, even in the physical world and having them decide your fate. But see, one thing Paul said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is, he said, man, I've got a crown of righteousness laid up for me. But not for me only, but for all them that love his appearing. We got to know we're getting in. We got to know if we belong to Jesus Christ. And we cannot afford to take that for granted. What we have been given is a great gift in a world of deception, corruption, temptation, and pure evil. The fact that we can even discuss his name right now. The fact that he's given us a chance to grow in grace. Man, we can't take that for granted. See, now, some people may say this guy was just, 
It was a bad dream. You know something? I don't want to find out. I'd rather believe Jesus Christ all my life and then die one day and find out it was all a big joke, all a big lie, than to actually die and find out that he's for real. I mean, you know, and, and there's no way to turn that around. I would rather live, look like a fool to the world to know that I believed in Jesus because you know something, you're going to die anyway. So what's going to make the difference in your life? You might as well go ahead and be sold out for Christ and believe him because he is the only thing that is true. So uh, let's get started in Galatians 5 and then we'll move on. If anyone wants to add anything, they can. But I tell you, it uh, shook me up a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's why the Bible tells us, if any man stand, take heed lest he fall. Because we got to walk with Jesus Christ. We'll start at verse 13, Galatians 5 and 13. I was reading this passage when the Lord gave me this teaching. But uh, Galatians 5 and 13, and it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So, you know, liberty, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So, we are not under law right now. We are under grace. But he's saying, don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Use it to glorify God in all that we do. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And this goes right back to what we heard concerning that God, being able to forgive, moving forward, you know, letting people know about the Lord, having people reconciled unto the Lord. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So when Paul mentioned many times that he was in bonds to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he made it very clear that if we're in bonds to him, or Paul was in bonds to the Lord, what he's saying is that, you know, he can only do what the Lord told and commanded him to do. So that's what's important. You're going to say something? Oh, okay. All right, so it says in verse 18, But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Now we all know what adultery is. It's when married people cheat. Okay? You know that fornication can be spiritual and physical. Okay, fornication is, you know, unlawful sexual acts, you know, that you're not supposed to be doing. It's the Greek word pornia, which says everything that is not of God sexually. Uncleanness, I mean, the Bible even tells us about having pure hearts. So if we don't even have pure hearts when we do deeds, that's considered uncleanness. Anything that is not like God is unclean. Lasciviousness, that's kind of like lustful desires, greed. The Lord wants us to stay clear of it. Idolatry, like I said before, 
I think it's going to be the biggest thing that most people are going to go to hell over because you can make anything your God. That which you obey is your God. Now, we, when we pray, let us ask the Lord in a pure heart, Lord, what should I pray for? Because, see, if we get down on our knees and we start praying for what we want, then that tells you right there, there's idolatry. So we need to even ask the Lord to guide us even in our prayers. If he puts it on your heart to pray for somebody, then great. But what we need to do is, Lord, how will you use me? What is it that you desire for me? Because if we get down, Lord, give me a nice house, give me this, give me that, make me rich or whatever. I mean, the Lord doesn't have problems blessing and giving gifts. The point is, is, is that what the Lord wanted you to pray for? So our hearts need to be pure. I'll tell you, the last person we should be praying for is ourselves. You know, we need to pray for other people and what they have. All right, so it says witchcraft. Witchcraft is rebellion to God. When the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15 that uh, witchcraft is of the um, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, then that means that any time we're not obeying the Lord, it is considered like witchcraft. I mean, it could be used in so many ways. Even like where I work, you should see they try and um, tell the kids, like, if you do your homework or whatever, you do this, I'll give you this. That's witchcraft. Why? Because it's not out of a pure heart. You're trying to bribe someone. Even when we think we are giving, you know, and just, oh, I'm just such a giver. But is that, let's, let's check and see from the spirit, is that for you or is that for them? Because sometimes we can give to be seen as a giver. Sometimes we can do that because we want people to like us. But whether they like you or not, would you still have that same heart of giving? That is important that we understand what the pure heart is when you're led by the Spirit. So then it says uh, hatred. I told, I've said many times here that I believe that we cannot love someone if we truly walk by them and we won't preach the gospel, if we won't meet people at their needs. Now, if we don't have it, we don't have it. There's nothing that you can do about that. But the point is, too, is, you know, hatred can be in so many places. You know, you can't commit abortion and, and, and call yourself a person of love because, you know, if you love children, you would hate abortion. And you guys know my story concerning that. Praise the Lord. He freed me from it. But I couldn't call myself someone of love and do what I did in my life. Variants. You know, someone that just brings trouble. Emulations. Trying to be someone that you have seen. It is important that we become individuals ourselves the way that God wants us to be because of the fact that God doesn't just cut out cookies. He may start us all on the same level because he's no respecter of persons. But you see, how we present the gospel determines on what kind of instrument we are on the Lord and how he plays us. It may come out of your mouth different. It may come out of Martin's mouth different. But it will all speak the truth. He's not going to play a flute of lies. Okay, so some may have a different way in their approach, but we are all instruments unto the Lord in how we, how we present. All right, so we're not to emulate. Now, I did a lot of this first starting out because I had no confidence in the Lord. Emulations is, I, I want to be like this person. I'm going to act and speak like them because I don't believe what God tells me to do. I can't wait for him for the answers. I got to go and try and find some. So wrath, you know, the Bible even tells us not to let the sun go down on our wrath, on, you know, because we give place to the devil. Wrath is just like, 
almost madness. You know, it's like a crazy kind of hatred because you can be driven to, you know, when, when you're in anger and the devil can use you, people will always say, I don't know what made me do that when I was angry. I hurt that person. And then later on, when the devil flees, you feel bad about it. So we can't be driven to wrath because wrath brings blindness. You can be that upset that you'll even say things you shouldn't say, commit to things you shouldn't commit to, or do things that you shouldn't do. Exactly. Exactly. You can become drunk in wrath. So, you know, when you have strife, strife is also one of those things where, you know, the Bible tells us to be careful. Let your communications be yay or nay. Yes, I can. No, I can't. These maybes or I don't know, I'll see. The Bible tells you don't answer like that. Either yes or no, because if you don't, it brings strife. Person has to keep calling you, seeing if you're going to do something. We need to be what we say we are in Christ. Be led of him. Seditions, that's kind of bringing divisions. Heresies, these are these little false doctrines that we allow to creep in that lead people slowly away from the truth in Jesus Christ. We've got to believe this Bible and take it as a whole. Envying, you guys know, wanting what someone else has or desiring. Murders, murders is big because, like I said, along with abortion, along with not loving our brother, along with doing things that we want to do aside from the Lord's call, we can be considered murderers when we know the truth in Jesus Christ and we don't tell people, there's blood on your hands. The Bible tells us this. Paul said, remember in Acts 18, hey, I've told you guys all and you guys don't want it. There's no more blood on my hands. I wash my hands of this. I told you, so now the responsibility is on you. So then he goes to um, drunkenness. You guys know. <laughs> that can be also like a kind of slothfulness into yourself, and it can be alcoholic indulgence. And then there's revelings, which is like partying, rioting, banqueting, all the things that, you know, when people live the wild life. And such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, and they that are Christ, and they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, why would he say them that are Christ uh, crucify the flesh with the affections and lust? Because it's the nature that we take on when we have Jesus Christ in us that you won't want to do those things anymore. You turn away from the world because you can't, you can't serve the world and serve Jesus Christ. It's one of the others. So you're going to want to crucify and get rid of that lust and get rid of those affections inside of you. Right, because the Lord knows that the flesh is going to fight you. Everything that we have learned and we've been talking about in this chapter is about being in the spirit. So he already mentions the things of the flesh that will keep us from being spiritual. And then he says here, for them that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh in the, in the affections and lust. Now, I don't want anybody to take this personal, but I am going to be upfront with this because this is what the Bible says. If Christ doesn't dictate what we do, then that means we are part-time with Jesus, and that means we are part-time in the world. We've got to understand this in order for spiritual growth. This is not telling anybody who's not a Christian or what, but when Christ considers someone belongs to him, it means that they will not serve another. 
Does that make sense at all? So, you know, he wants us to be in obedience to him so he can use us. But it's affections and lusts. This is why some people won't part from family when it comes to serving the Lord. You know, this can be any situation, you know, but lust, those are things that are just not of the Lord anyway. They drive you away. So if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. The Lord showed me this a week and a half ago because I read over this many times and I didn't really think about living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. I was kind of like, what's the difference? But, you know, there is a big difference because when you live in the spirit, that means that you have an awareness of God. That means that you can praise him. You can worship him. You can do all these things for him. But walking in the spirit is something entirely different. Lots of people are living in the spirit. But to walk in the spirit is to do what? To be led by the spirit. So, you know, being led by the spirit is walking in the spirit. Because, see, I can, I can, you know, live in the spirit, oh, thank you, Jesus, and everything else. And I walk right out in the world and do what I want to do. So, you know, it's just something we need to think about. Because living in the spirit and walking in the spirit, two different things. They're both good. One prepares you and the other guides you. You know, you get built up and, you, and you're let out. But we've got to know the Lord. Verse 26, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, you know, if anybody's taking notes tonight, the first thing that we have to understand about them that are Christ is that they have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. That is why I went there, because that's something that that's the beginning of understanding of presenting your body to the Lord. Is this an easy walk? Absolutely not. But the thing is, is that we've got to consider him in all that we do. Lord, I don't have what you need me to be. I'm presenting myself to you. Do what you will. What do you see fit in me? Do. And when we give ourselves over, let us ask for hearing hearts. Let us hear what the Lord has to say. Why? Because sometimes those affections and those lusts can keep us from obeying the truth. Who we'll say, oh man, the Lord didn't tell me to do that. Oh, yeah, he did. But see, we can't hear him clearly if our flesh is just as strong or stronger than our spirit. So it is important that we understand that. For them that are Christ, they have crucified the flesh and the lust thereof. So let's move on. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Now, that's not to say that you won't be tempted, but like when you get tempted, you hate that feeling. Like you just mm -hmm. like, like God take this out of you right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Is that kind of like being baptized by water versus baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like you're, mm -hmm. like once you're baptized, you know, obviously something changed, but mm -hmm. you still don't have the spiritual baptism yet, right? Right, like you're not fully taken over by the Spirit, you know, it's like there's areas that we all have now. I mean, the Holy Ghost that would live in every single one of us in here, we know that there are areas that the Lord controls in our lives. And we know that there are things the Lord doesn't control. And we've got to be realistic for that, for the Lord to make a difference in our lives. You know, some of us have stopped cursing. Some of us have stopped hanging out where we used to. Some of us, you know, we pray more, we do things. But when you're taken over by the Spirit, oh, man, forget it. I mean, we're not even going to be having these discussions. You know, I'll be, I may be talking to you and the Lord is telling you something else. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying tonight, but while you're at it, why don't you stop and go and do this for me? If you show up, you show up. If not, 
they'll be okay. But that's how the Spirit leads you. And that's why Jesus said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, neither can you tell the sound thereof. So is everyone that is led by the Spirit of God. When we have fully matured in Christ, those disciples were out going everywhere and then meeting up, telling each other about the goodness of the Lord, edifying one another and things. But they weren't, you know, I'm not sure of this trip. Can you come with me? That was the furthest thing from their minds. These guys walked with Jesus Christ in them. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because um, how God flew, like the Holy Spirit into man with the breath mm -hmm. into man, um, and the air that like moves us, mm -hmm. like walking in the Spirit mm -hmm. makes you move, like the Holy Spirit runs in you. That's right. Make you act. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because, you know, if Jesus Christ, when he was here, did what he did, I mean, were we going to be a watered-down version of Jesus Christ? When it says Christ in you, we are growing. Now, remember the teaching we did of milk and meat. We read Luke 2, Luke 1, and Luke 2, and it said that the child grew, you know, and the Spirit was given unto him, but he grew. He grew. He didn't just start when he was 30 years old. He was growing and being prepared. When he was 12 years old, told his own mother, Mary, and don't you know I must be, how is it that you found me? It was almost like they were bothering him. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? As a kid, he knew this. As kids, we should know this. Are we going to be able to walk it out completely right now? No. So we are growing in grace, faith to faith, glory to glory, until we are filled with Christ. And even then, we can't take Jesus Christ for granted. We have to stay in covenant in relationship with him. All right, so this is Romans 7 and 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Now, we understand that the law doesn't have dominion over us because the Lord told us, we only have two commandments, loving the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. On those two commandments, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. Excuse me. So verse 3 says, So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now, the scripture that goes according to this is, you know, James 4, when it talks about ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world, you are the enemy of God. Because there is a way that we can be cheating on the Lord if we're not being led of the Spirit. You know, because like we talked about before, that which we do, we will... I mean, that's who we obey. You know, we're, on, we're going to obey our God. Verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So what does he want us to be? Productive. For those, when we are led of the Spirit of God and not under the law, we will bear fruit. People will come out of your loins born again. When you preach the words that are spirit and life that come from Jesus Christ, other people will be affected by it. So it is important that our doctrine is sound and that we obey the Lord in what we should say. Because the only one that knows how to win a soul is Jesus Christ. 
verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the motions and sins, I mean, the motions and sins of which were by the law did work in our members and bring forth fruit unto death. So there is this fruit unto death, and that's why the Bible tells us there are ways that seem harmless to a man, but in the end are the ways of death. In our carnal minds, we can see a lot of things that we think are productive, but in God's eyes, they're not doing a thing. And this is why Jesus tells us in Luke 11, either we gather with him or we're scattering. Even if, you know, you see someone and you're talking to them about worldly things and you have no intentions on bringing Jesus Christ to them, in many cases you're scattering. Because for every person that we don't talk to about Jesus, and we're not giving points for being successful, we're giving points for being faithful. We have to be faithful. Hey, we rest the truth on people in a pure heart. If they choose not to receive it, that's on you. But I told you the truth. So it is important that when, when, when the Lord is using us, that we need to be with him. We need to be success, not successful. We need to be um, faithful to what God calls us to do. You know, that's how we get results. All right, verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, and being dead wherein we were held, but we should serve in newness of spirit and not of the oldness of the letter. Now, here's an important thing we got to understand about the law. Moses' law, you know, some people are doing and they shouldn't. But, you know, the law also takes other turns. Moses' law was a fleshly law. It did things according to the flesh. Even to this day, we can still do laws according to the flesh. Serving men and feeling like that, that's what we need to do instead of God, can get in the way of what the Spirit calls us to do. It is important that we might be here together and we are, you know, um, you know sharpening each other and we're learning from each other and we're teaching. But it's also a place, too, that if we're not led by the Spirit, we can fall under bondage. Some people will tell you, well, it's not right that you do this and blah, blah, blah. All those things are great, but we got to be clear not to push laws on people and introduce them into relationship that they may have Christ in them. Because aside from that, you are somewhat of a legalist. I'm not saying if someone asks you about the Bible, you don't tell them the truth. Of course you tell them the truth. But the process and growth, as we're going to read here in Romans 7, is not about what laws you can keep. It's about knowing a person that will eventually live in you, that will guide you into all truth and righteousness. So I'm not saying don't tell people the truth. I'm saying these people need to know Jesus. And that's what we need to do to introduce them to. He's the only solution then. He's the only solution now. But what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin taking occasion in my, I mean, in, uh, by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, which is like wantingness, uh, for without the law sin was dead. So we got to understand that when we are led by laws and not following the Spirit of God, Sin can cake up in you. Sin picks up. When you find yourself saying, I'm not going to do this and, you know, I'm going to be the best person that I can be. Well, you're not supposed to be the best person you can be. You're supposed to be the best person holding Jesus Christ in you. So he says that, man, when I was bound by the law or I do the things of the law, sin somehow revives in me. And that's why the Bible tells you in Galatians 5, 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering. For these things, there is no law. There's no limit on how much you love. But you got people in church paying tithes. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that because that was under Levitical law. The Bible says, the Lord says, we are not to give grudgingly or of necessity. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So it is about the heart. It is not about a commandment. Because you wouldn't like God very much being in the spirit and, and you're commanded to give this amount. It should be out of a pure heart. God doesn't want to control and dominate you. He wants you to do what, you know, what's, what's from your heart. Let's see the real you. What would you really give as a believer? So it is important that our hearts are pure and not led under laws or legalism. Yeah, I was just going to make a point too here of that. When, he, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, and he said that he, they are like um, unwashing cups and pots, or washing cups mm -hmm. like on the outside, but on the inside they were like open sepulchers. So mm -hmm. they wanted that outward appearance of being righteous, but they themselves did not want to be righteous, mm -hmm. and that was because they that up because this is a um, four-part series you know we're in part two right now but the first one was to them that believeth in Jesus Christ because we broke down the word believeth actually means you know giving yourself over totally convinced you know everything else but people use the word belief loosely but see what we do determines what we believe and it's important that we understand that so let's skip down to verse um, uh, Let's skip down to verse uh, 17. So then it says, uh, Now then, it is no more uh, that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. So it's kind of like, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. But that that I don't do, I know I should. This is pretty much what he's saying, the war that goes on within us. You know, a lot of the times we know the right thing to do, but what is it that keeps us from doing it? Our flesh is strong and our spirit is weak. You want to turn that around? All you've got to do is know Jesus Christ. Get to know him. Pray. Study. Do the things that are necessary. Spend time with him. Man, shut off the TV. I'm shutting off everything. I'm just going to read my word right now. And you, and there's times, man, you read your word, and you can feel the presence of the Lord all around you. And he's instructing you, and he's pulling this Bible apart and putting it back together, just showing you things that we need to see that we might be like him. 
So, you know, there's nothing like having his revelation. It's one thing to hear other people teach it, but man, when the Lord starts pulling words out and magnifying, you ever read the Bible and you feel like there's a magnifying glass there? Like, man, I read this 30 times. How come I didn't see it before? That's because you read the Bible in the flesh. So we got to understand that the Lord pulls things out that we might see. Or even like we're at a different growth in our walk with him. Mm -hmm. So he's able to reveal it deeper. Mm -hmm. That's true too. He'd take you into further depths. Really this living word, you Just the other it's true. Just the other day. This is so true. That um I read over Genesis three many times, but then the Bible stood out and said that Eve took the fruit and did eat and gave also to her husband Adam and he ate. Now that's how I read it, but I forgot to read she gave unto her husband Adam with her and she and he ate. So Adam was there. But the Lord gives you this kind of revelation and understanding. Adam was present. You know, because was Adam there or wasn't he there? You, look, if you read the word, <laughs> it'll tell you everything that you need to know. So we know Adam didn't do what he was supposed to do. All right, so it says, um, I think in verse 20, Now if I do that I would, uh, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So we have got to understand that this is a war. And if we are to be of Christ, we are born into this war that we are going to have to fight through. Every day there is something trying to convince your mind that this is the real world. When in that, in a truer sense, the spiritual world is the real world. And this world is a matrix pulled over your eyes to make you believe it. Man, we got to be sold out for Christ. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So this is big. The law of God is what? The law of the spirit. Mm -hmm. After who? The inward man. Who is who? Jesus Christ. But um, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. And this is an apostle saying this. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then uh, when uh, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So you see, there is a law unto sin. Now, that's why we got to make sure that we don't get taken over by religion or religious spirits. A religious spirit is a self-righteous spirit that will just make, it will seem so godly, but really it's not. It's having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So it is important that we walk in the spirit, in the true spirit of God that tells us what we need to do. So let's go to Romans 8 right here, and um, from here we'll move on. Does anyone have anything to add, any questions, anything they want to say? If not, we'll keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and like how we should have our mind obedient to Christ mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, it just stood out to me no, it really does and that's why he wants us to transform that mind mm -hmm. because what he's letting us know here in Romans 7 and when we go to Romans 8 that many of your thoughts are not yours yeah. 
and and this is what Carlin and I were listening to. We played a video earlier, but you know, Pastor Price was talking about how the devil has really soaked himself so into normalcy that we think a lot of our thoughts are ours and they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's the way I've always been. Yeah, but that's not who God wants you to be. But we can get so caught up in the norm that we think the devil, like you can just spot him anywhere and we can't. A lot of the things that we desire are not our thoughts. And that's why we need the mind of Christ if we're going to deal with this. So Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, who, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So them that are in Christ, there's no condemnation. Because people love to hear, oh, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Hold up a minute. Read the rest. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. So, um, well, I'll keep reading. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God giving his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So if we won't let Jesus dictate and we won't accept that gift and let him live in us, he paid the debt. Aside from Jesus Christ, you still got a debt to pay. So it is important that we walk with him because he has the past. Jesus is the only cure for sin. Not rules, not laws, not rituals, not our own righteousness, only Jesus Christ. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled. Now, which law is he talking about? The law of the Spirit. spirit. He was condemning Moses' law in Romans 6 and Romans 7. So there are two laws here. But you know what Jesus' law is. Mm -hmm. All right, loving your neighbor and loving the Lord. So it says, uh, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. So you see, Paul here, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, makes it really easy for us. You want to know if you're walking in the Spirit? Mind the things that come out of your mouth. What are you thinking about? What is important to you? What are you interested in? This tells you right here when you're walking in the flesh and when you're walking in the spirit, you're going to mind those things, not just speak them. Verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is the enemy. That's what enmity means against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So going back to what we said in Romans 12, in order to find what the perfect will of God God is, we have to drop the carnal mind and pursue the mind of Christ. And the only way we're going to find out the mind of Christ is if we let Christ live in us and his thoughts will become ours. We've got to know Jesus Christ and he's got to know you. It's not just reading this and knowing a couple of words on the page and what he says. Yeah, this is a guideline, but see, intimacy, spending time is how you get to know that person. You get to know our king. Verse uh, uh, 8, thanks. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So is it possible that we can do all the fleshly things and achieve what we want in this life and not do what the Lord says? Do you think that those things will please him? Only the things that pertain to the will of God are pleasing to God. And that's why this is ringing louder when you go to Matthew 7 and it says, Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name 
And he says, depart from me because you have never been led of my spirit. These were ideas that you came up with on your own to try and please me. You didn't hear one word I said. So we got we got to know the Lord. All right, little one. It's only going to be one big mouth in here tonight. I'm just teasing. All right, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Uh, if so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So you see, if the spirit of God dwells in us. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let us let that sink in with us. If we do not have the spirit of Jesus Christ, we do not belong to Jesus Christ. And if Jesus be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So what is righteousness? Can anybody find an answer for that? Like what that means exactly? What is righteousness? Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, right. You just mentioned his name, Jesus Christ. He he totally is righteousness, but righteousness is not even about just being right. Righteousness is, you know, everything that God wants. Mm -hmm. If God would, when God told Isaac, just to give you an example, told Abraham, take your son to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there. Don't you know that was righteous judgment? And when, Isaac, when Abraham drew his sword and the Lord said, draw not your sword. Now I know that you will hold nothing back from me. God is righteous. No matter what he chooses, no matter what he says, our God cannot be wrong. And it is important that we come to that conclusion if we really want to serve him. Because if you're carnally minded, you're going to hear things and you're going to say, man, God couldn't have said that. I mean, that just doesn't seem right. Are you judging him with your carnal mind or are you judging him with the mind of Christ? Because everything God says is righteous. See, a lot of times we want to be right. But see, right can bring strife and contention. Righteousness is a nature through and through. Yes, sir. And if we are righteous, even if we get convicted about what the word says, we won't be offended by it either. Mm -hmm. Because we know that this is his living word and what he says is righteous. And it's like, hey, you either understand it, you live it, you deal with it, or you're going to go off track because something inside of you doesn't want to change. That's right. Exactly. And that's why he says in verse 10 that the body is dead because of sin. I encourage anyone of you really pursuing Jesus Christ, stop trying. Mm -hmm. Die. Die. Yep. Die out to Christ. Do what he tells you to do. Trying is only going to get you frustrated. Dying out to the world and having Christ live in you is what is necessary because what, that's the only way that we're going to make it. Why? Our flesh wants too much. But when we go according to the desires of the Lord, we can be led easily by him because our wants are his. Um, somebody's going to say something. No? You? Oh, um, oh no, good. What, which, what did you look up? In Hebrew. Righteousness? Yeah. All right, what do you got? It's, well... The number is, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's in Hebrew 6664. This term denotes conformity to an ethical or moral standard. Mm -hmm. It is used most often in relation to one standing with legal authorities, either human or divine. Righteousness, judgment, and justice are declared to be the foundation of God's throne. That's right. God's righteousness associated with deliverance is revealed in one of the divine names of God, the Lord, our righteousness. 
That's right. So it is Jesus Christ. Because, you know, righteousness outside of Jesus Christ can be skewed. You know, a lot of people think they're righteous in this world, what they're doing. It's like, man, are you kidding me? But God's, God's righteousness is true righteousness. Why? It's impartial, you know, and, it, and it's in pure truth. All right. Thanks, Christina. There's Bring also a scripture. I think it's in James, but I'm not sure if that stood out to me. And it talks about how through the blood of Christ you're blotted out and cleansed unto righteousness. Mm -hmm. So it's like the process to become righteousness has to be through the blood of Christ. And being Him alone. Jesus yeah. Christ. Amen. So this is uh, verse 11, and it says... Uh, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies uh, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So a true son of God will be like the son of God. He obeyed what his father told him to do. We are to obey what Jesus Christ tells us to do. That's a hard reality, but I mean, this is Bible 101 here, what we're talking about. What keeps us from doing what we need to do is we're trying. Let's stop trying and start dying. Lord, whatever you put on me as sin, I will accept it as sin, and I will drop it and continue to follow you. Because God will put his finger on things that bothers him with us, but we've got to be willing to hear. Mm -hmm. And what keeps us from hearing is we've got a heart after what we want versus the heart of the Lord. You know, Solomon got all those gifts from the Lord because he said, Lord, I don't, I'm about a child. I don't know whether to go in or come out. And those things are what the Lord was pleased, and he blessed Solomon. And Solomon got beside himself. He didn't stay there, and you see what happened to him. So it is important that we stay in line with what the Lord wants. So we understand true sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. All right? That's, that's another point if anyone wants to put that down. Also, if you have not the Spirit, you are not of God. Paul quoted this several times. So if we're of the Spirit, we are going to grow in grace. We are going to believe Jesus Christ and slowly become one with him as, as the Lord plans to do with his true church one day. So from here, let's go to John 2. John chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 1. Oh, not John 2. 1 John 2. Sorry. So this is uh, 1 John 2. We'll start at verse 1, and it says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's your answer right there, huh? <laughs> and he is the propitiation for our sins. So, you know, he's the go-between. He's the appeasement to God. So aside from Jesus Christ, we are in our sins. All right, and then it says, uh, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So how do we know the Lord? If we keep his commandments. He only left two. And I remember Martin saying one time, yeah, he only left two, and people can't even keep that. You know, but it's true. He simplified it for us. So what it takes to keep these two commandments is a nature. You can't do this in your own strength. Try and love everybody your way. You're going to either go broke or you're going to be taken advantage of. you got to, you know, obey the Lord. Verse 4. There's another scripture where you also give us just one. Just love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. I mean, you can't even do that. <laughs> That's true. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, guess who's inside of you? So you do love the Lord. That's the only way you can love your neighbor. All right, so he says, um, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth the word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Okay, so if the love of God is perfected in us and we keep his sayings, or we keep his commandments, then we know that we are in Christ. So, you know, our God is a God of doing. He's not just a God of talk, because he knows talk is cheap. You know, anybody can say they love the Lord, but how do we walk? Verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also um, to walk even as he walked. So I know that this is tough, and I know that this is hard to swallow, because we hear a lot of, Jesus did it all. You don't have to worry. Kick back and relax. He's saying here that if we be of Christ and we abide in him, then we ought to walk as he walked. Now, are we going to go and put up a cross and, you know, go lay on and have somebody nail us down? Absolutely not. You know, are we going to go and try and see if we can walk on water because he did? Absolutely not. Are we going to go looking for trouble and hope that we get killed so we can be like Christ? No. The point is, is that we do the will of the Lord. And, you know, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, you know, them that will live godly will suffer persecution. Why we have not suffered full persecution is not because the New World Order isn't in here yet or the Great Tribulation. All you've got to do in your life and your work for whatever you do is stand for Jesus Christ. And little by little, you'll see this world turn on you. You don't believe it? Try it. It's not about a great tribulation. It's how much we love the Lord. Because if we walk as Jesus walked, you best believe trouble is coming your way. You know, and there's always a place to stand up for Jesus, but will we? Verse 7, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, the new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So what do we need? To leave all those things behind that had us bound, that we might be set free. And that's why the Bible tells us, for he that is set free, who the Lord has set free, is free indeed. God doesn't mean for us to be bound to our lust and things that we want. We got to yield to him. Yeah like you were saying earlier this evening before Bible study that when the light comes to shine in and we don't let it through then it's like Satan is back there plugging up the holes and yeah this is true because you know as we're growing many of us are you know we're in some type of prison we really are you know and 
we were talking about how that if the Lord comes, because he knows that we're bound, and he comes and takes a light and shines through, or his flood comes in and busts through the walls to show you what's what, that flood can sometimes, you know, come on to you, but it's like, okay, you can either accept it and drink and be cleansed, or you can say, I don't know if that's true. And you know what the devil does? He'll paste the wall back up. Whew, good thing you didn't fall for that one. You were almost free. So we got to understand that what the Lord is doing with his word, why it cuts us, why it gets us loose is we have to be free of these things. He's trying to set us free. He's trying to make it be known to us. None of these things should be that important to you but me. I should be the only thing that matters. Why? I'm the only one that can take you unto eternal life. So it's nice to have nice things, but they can't mean anything to us. And that's what keeps us from giving and doing what the Lord says. You're going to say something? Oh, you like you were Lord's talking to you, huh? All right, verse 9. He that saith... What's that? Oh, oh yeah. Verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. So what does this mean? You know that the Lord, if we walk in the light, the Lord is telling us here, it is impossible to fall. If what that guy says when he was underneath that table, scared to death because he saw the truth, we should have fear of the Lord to do the wrong thing. And you know, little by little, the Lord will deal with us as children. You know how when you're a little kid and you're touching things and your mom, eh, stop that, eh, what are you doing? You know, and that sort of thing kind of, you know, scares us back. But as they get older and they grow, you kind of trust them to be in a room by themselves for a little while at least. You know, but then there comes a point, the Lord is, oh, you going to the store? All right, pick me up, whatever, I'll see you later on. But it's more of a... I trust you, you know, as you grow. But if we don't let that happen, you know, we're going to stay in darkness and be offended. So we've got to trust God in everything that he says. All right, so he says that there's no stumbling if we wait on the Lord, if we follow his instruction. So it says in verse 11, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And this is why I encourage everyone to do fasting, because I can tell you, I used to walk by a lot of homeless people, and, you know, I'd give what I could, but then there was just this feeling of, well, you know, that's all I can do, and I would go on home. But, you know, when I started fasting, like really having intense fast, I can walk by these people or a man arguing with his wife or whatever's going on, and my heart literally aches, where, like, even if I don't have the money to give them, I'll try and minister to them. If I can't, then I'll get on my knees in prayer. You know, but it should be a weightiness to our hearts to see other people that have the potential to know Jesus, not know him. I mean, you know, to, to want to tell these people the truth. It should bother us when we see that. Now, I know what the world says. Well, he's a bum. He brought it on himself. He chose to be a bum. Nobody told him to do this or whatever. But is that the heart of the Lord? You know, because to me, that's the heart of a beast. I'm not saying be taken advantage of. I'm saying be led by the Spirit in everything we do. You know, but it's important. It should bother us when people are hurting. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, uh, forgiven you for his name's sake. 
I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So he's speaking to all those who are overcomers. He's speaking to all those who want the Lord. He's speaking to every walk of life so that no one gets this thing wrong. Everybody sees things for what they are, and we all need the Lord, okay? But he's talking about the overcomer. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Of any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So anything in this world that is not of the Spirit, that is not of Jesus Christ, is of the world. Now, what's the difference between having these things and, you know, serving these things? Is where God is in our lives. We are only going to obey our God. You know, and if we don't, then we, hey, anything that you give more attention to than the Lord is your God. And I mean, I'm not saying that to be mean. I mean, that's something I've got to check in myself. But we got to understand if we give the Lord maybe two or three hours out of every day and we give the world 15 hours, I mean, who's the bigger priority here? Who can admit that without getting mad? This is something that we're all striving for and we're working for. Because those disciples, those people, Henry Gruber, People of old, people of the come, they are led by the Spirit of God in their daily lives. I can't speak for anyone else, but that's my goal. I want Jesus Christ. I want to make him proud of me. I want to prove to the world that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And if it costs me my life, so be it. But what is greater than serving the King of Kings? See, this ought to tell us how big Jesus Christ is to us. You know, that's all I'm saying. So he says, um, and the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many anti Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not um, of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have written unto you because ye know not the truth. Not because ye, I mean, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is in the truth. So we got to understand that there is no lying in Jesus Christ. Everything he said, no matter how impossible it is for us to believe, we've got to have the mind of Christ to understand. Many things when we first got saved, we were told, and you're like, man, no way, no how. But as you've gotten closer to the Lord and got to know him, well, yeah, that's what you want me to do. I mean, of course. So what happened? God didn't change. Your nature changed. Instead of being them that are not like Christ, we are slowly becoming them that belong to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let's go to John 3. Well, 1 John 3. All right. 1 John 3? Yeah, 1 John 3 right next door. 
You hear it, Jay? Yep. All right. First John 3 and 1, and it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth, not, knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are ye, are we, the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear uh, what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we are going to eventually see the Lord in all his glory, you know, face to face. And every man that have this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So what does it take when the Lord points out things? We ought to recognize them and, and serve him. We have to purify ourselves. If we have hope in the Lord's coming, then we believe. Let us purify ourselves. If we don't have hope in him coming or don't believe, we won't do a thing. We are only going to do that which we believe. Verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So what does it take? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So is it possible that we can go through this without sin? Absolutely. If we are totally taken over by Jesus and led of the Spirit, as he is sinless, so will we be. Now see, this is a real thing here where people will tell you it's impossible because they'll pull out, there is no good, no, not one. If any man says that he sins or he doesn't sin, he is a liar. But we've got to understand in what context John was speaking of. John was speaking of a man saying, I don't sin by his own righteousness. John wasn't speaking of a person growing in grace that is becoming like Christ. So it is possible that we can be like Christ. When we are taken over by the Spirit, if he doesn't fall, we don't fall. And see, you can get to know Jesus Christ for real. Jesus Christ can come visit you in your bedroom at night. He is alive and well. And we have to know this. He's not the Easter Bunny. He's not the Tooth Fairy. He's not Buddha. He's not Krishna. Our God sits on the right hand of glory. And if you want to know him and visit with him, he will come see you if your heart is right and pure. Believe me when I tell you. All right, where am I? Uh, verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So he said, let no man deceive you. If you do righteousness, you are righteous as God, as Jesus is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, uh, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So why would we want to be born again to have Christ in us? Because we have to talk about the fact that, you know, he is destroying the works of the devil. So it is important. It makes clear here, anyone that committed sin is of the devil. So that means, as we talked about before, we can be part-time with Christ. We can be part-time in sin. It is possible, and this is why we have grace to grow. Sanctification is a long process. It's not a quick process. As the Lord takes out the basic sins in our lives, which are adultery, fornication, murder, you know, all those different things, lying, 
then there comes other layers underneath that the Lord has to work through, like pride, you know, like uh, unforgiveness, like uh, what's the other thing? Uh, rejection, you know, and we don't even understand how important rejection is, why we believe the things we do, why we choose not to believe God, why it's hard for us to minister to people, because we don't want to feel rejection. That is one thing, like I said, I give Jehovah Witnesses. I am not for their doctrine, and Jehovah Witnesses are not of Jesus Christ. But one thing they know how to do is be rejected. And eventually you get the confidence to walk out there and speak. Now, they're telling you a bunch of lies. You know, everything they said wasn't a lie. But, you know, their doctrine is wrong. But the, the point is, is they have lost the fear of rejection. They'll knock on your door. You can call them any name in the book. They'll say, okay, they'll cross your name off the list and go right to the next house. Now, if they were right, man, they'd be something for Jesus Christ, but they're not. But the point is, is if a Christian, there's, there's supposed to be 8 million of them in the world. If the Christian church had as much zeal to go after souls as they did, man, Jesus Christ would have came back already. Persecution would have began. All these things would have taken place, and the Lord would have been back to establish his kingdom. Why? Because as we would have pushed against the world, the world would have pushed back against us. But man, we should care. They don't even have the love of the Lord in them, and they're still going after souls. So think about actually if you had it, if you really had something to present. You know, and I'm not saying they aren't sincere. They, they believe falsely because they choose to believe a man or an organization. The Watchtower Tract Society are the only people telling the truth in the world to them. If you come with the Bible, man, they might agree as long as the Watchtower Tract Society said this is true. Mm -hmm. But see, this is why we've got to go God direct and know Jesus Christ. Right. Now, I was going to add, in a, in a way, yeah. they, they do have the fear of uh, rejection because if they don't get rejected all Good the point. Time, Good they point. They reject that as a, a cult. Right. Good point. So because are they, are they graded off success on how yep. many people? Mm -hmm. Wow. You have to sit in the back Really? Yeah, that's true. They do fear the rejection or they would accept the truth. Martin is absolutely right. But that's the grip that rejection can have on people. And these are the things that God wants to peel back. Whatever the Lord says and people try and get us into, it shouldn't matter. He wants rejection to leave you even to the point of family forsake you. Well, guess what? I'm in the truth. I told you. I'll continue to pray for you. But I'm going forward with Jesus. So don't think not inviting me to any more family reunions is going to hurt me. Because my eyes are towards Christ. That's what's important. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his deeds remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, like I said, you hear a lot of stuff about this. But we got to understand, when we are led by the Spirit, this is right. If we are not up to this standard, let us get to know the Lord. But God's word is true, no matter how unbelievable it is to the carnal mind. And why people don't believe this, they do not know the Lord. And that's a fact. Verse 10, in this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him. 
because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous. Now, if you were to sit Cain and Abel aside from everything else, they're both no good. They're both sinners. Abel was righteous. Why? Because he did the will of the Lord. He believed God. He gave God what he asked for. But in the flesh, Abel would have been just like Cain. But Abel chose to give the Lord what the Lord asked for. He gave the Lord his best. What can you and I give him if we be of Christ? We got to give him our best. And you know what God wants? He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want everything else. He just wants you. He wants to fill you like he did Adam and Eve, made good, full of the spirit. But not just like Adam and Eve, like Jesus Christ himself. All he wants is you. And that is the one thing we won't give him. You know why? Because if Christ lives, you die. And we can't even fathom obeying Jesus Christ every day. Because we want something for ourselves. And this is important. Verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we are passed from death unto life. Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is in murder is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we're making a comparison here. You know, Jesus lived every day to tell people the truth. You know something? No one's saying that you have to go have a sermon on the mount. But one thing we can do is, and I'm, I'm recognizing this in myself, the Lord makes it available for me to speak to at least one person every day. So one way or another, someone's going to come and ask me a question they probably know the answer to. He just sets up scenarios where you're in a rush to get, you know, I got to get my bus. And it's like the bus will take 10 extra minutes and there's someone sitting right there. What are you going to do? Are you going to share Jesus with them or are you going to worry about getting out of the cold and getting off to work? The Lord makes it available for us every single day for at least one person to talk to. If we spoke to one person every day, that'll be 365 people in a year. Now think about that, unless it's a leap year or whatever. But if we did that for three years, we have over a thousand people that we have shared the gospel with. And I mean, you know, so and naturally you get used to doing that. Your numbers are going to increase. You're going to want to talk to more. Why? Because you're going to find it was nothing to be terrified over in the first place. What you don't practice, you will lose. Hey, Christina. Also, like once you talk about one in the day, that first one you get, like, just start it, then it gets like, spark that fire. Mm -hmm. And you want more and more. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, and more in the spirit. So it comes more naturally. Exactly. It's true. Because you know what? Before you speak to that first one, the devil tries to command you, keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say this, you're going to start up some trouble. And then you're like, mm. you can almost feel someone pulling on your tongue. Am I lying here? When you try and tell people the truth, all this doubt and unbelief comes into your mind. We make things harder than they should be sometimes. All we've got to do is share the gospel and we... Man, might get offended. You know, if they say this, they may call the police. And hey, man, we got to believe God. We have got yeah, to believe God. God. That's right. And when that happens, I'm recognizing too that when that happens, it's, 
That's the flesh that's got to be crucified. That's right, because when you are fasting, you can't shut up. Your mouth is just flapping all by itself. You know, you want to be quiet, but the spirit is like, nah, man, we're going to talk about things, and we're going to get this straight now. Like, but it's a board meeting. The Holy Ghost is like, speak. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't care what's going on. Speak up. Like he takes you out of your chair. Like, get up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we can become conscious of the world and not of Jesus Christ. The more conscious we are of Christ, it's like a seesaw. The more weight you put on one end, the other end is going to, you know, pop up. The less weight you put on it, the less strength you're going to have or control over it. But the two don't run together. Paul said, you know, the spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. But the devil will try and bring you to a place of a happy medium. See, that's a dangerous territory there because it's like, well, I am serving the Lord, but I'm doing what I want to do too. But see, the Lord wants you to tilt that scale, Christ first. Christ, you know, he'll let you go and do things in your life. But, hey, you got to put me up first. My priority is first. Everything else is second. I mean, think about it. Husbands and wives, even friends or whomever, you know. If you don't put that friend as a priority or wife or or whomever, come on, man. You think that something's going to last like that? If it don't fly with you, why do you want it to fly with Jesus? Just think about that. If it's not okay that you are not a, a, a big priority in your partner's life, then you want Jesus Christ to accept that? Well, Lord, you understand. No, maybe you should understand him. He's put up with you for a long time. And when you ask him for forgiveness, he never brings it back up. He starts square with you. He deals with you in spite of. So, man, why not give him what he deserves? Man, and if we don't think God is deserving, we got to check our spirit. Because, you see, when you're a child in Christ, it's, oh, Lord, give me, give me, give me. I want it all. Whatever you can give me, I'll take it. Just give me. I need more, 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 more. But as you grow... Mom, Dad, are you okay? Can I get you anything? You know what, Dad, I just came over. I just want to talk to you today. I'm just hanging out with you. What do you want to do? Now, I'm not saying the Lord needs that from us, but the point I'm making is when you mature, you recognize that you not always have to be the one in need, mm-hmm. the one having pleasure. How about going and visiting your father? How about taking care of, you know, meeting up with your Lord and Savior? Man, doesn't he deserve it? Man, man never did a thing wrong to us. <laughs> and we got fault with him. Well, Lord, you're strong. You understand. Hey, God's got a big heart, but we cannot take it for granted. First John 4 and 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try every spirit, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby we know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. What does that mean, come in the flesh? Yes, he came in the flesh, but we got to recognize and believe everything that Christ did in the flesh. We can't say, well, I don't believe in the miracles, but I believe everything else. Hey, man, don't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now is already in the world. Ye are, um, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Now, how many of us believe this? How great is your God? How big is he? 
Is he big enough to stand up to anybody and tell them the truth? Is he big enough that if they take everything from you, he won't back you up and provide? We've all got to come to this conclusion of how big our God is. Because you know what? A child believes his father. Man, as a kid, he believes some of the biggest fantasies of my dad. I thought my dad was faster than the A train. My sister even said that one day. We were on the train with, with our mom, and we were watching the train go, and we seen our dad run. He was always a very athletic man. So my sister was like, well, daddy is faster than the train. And my mom was like, Juanita, no, he's not. And she was like, yes, he is. I saw daddy run. He can run faster than the train. And people are looking on the train, and my mom is like, no, he can't. But my sister had so much faith in our dad, so did we, that you don't think there's anything bigger or greater than your dad. He's asking us to have a childlike faith and affection towards him. And see, if we're truly children, we see God as he is. But when we're not, you know, hey, well, I'm just as big as him. He understands I can only meet with him on Sunday. I've got other things going on. Your God has to be bigger than that. Because when you put him first, you'd be surprised at what he will do in your life. So he says, oh, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. So you see, you be in agreement with the world if you speak like the world. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know that we, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we understand that, you know, when people don't hear us, don't take it personal. They're not of God. But you told, it doesn't take away the fact that you told them the truth. But when people do hear you, it's because they believe God. They know him, you know. So it's important that we see this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, we know that word for love is agape. That means selflessness. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go to Philippians 2 and, and get um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I should be done from there. Philippians 2. We're going to go there first, and then we'll go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Philippians 2 and 1, and it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any effort, I mean, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So what is Paul asking the church to do? What the church had done in Acts the second chapter, Acts the third, Acts the fourth, all up until we reach Acts 7 or 8 with the persecution, he wants a selfless church. He wants us giving and caring for people. You know, there are a few people that come um, on Sundays now and everything, and, you know, everybody can't make it. 
So, you know, Sarah and I, we're just like, hey, man, whatever we got to do for gas, whatever we got to do to get somebody here, so be it. What's it worth that they hear the word of God and develop a relationship with him? So he wants us to be, you know, selfless, man. Forget about you. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem um, other better than himself. So the Lord wants us to esteem other people even more than us. Who can do that but Jesus Christ? There's no way that this can be kept outside of him. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, these are those who are of Christ. If we are of Christ... Man, we esteem people higher than ourselves. I mean, this can even go down to the point of having, I mean, you know, walking home one day and you got clothes on and you got a nice coat and somebody out there is freezing. I'm not telling you to give them their coat, give them your coat, but I am saying, where's your heart? You know, what will the spirit tell you to do? If he should tell you to do that, would you do it? That's what's important. <laughs> so it says, um, Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. But being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every uh, of things in heaven and things in earth and every and under the earth, sorry, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm -hmm. So I mean, what is it like to give him every single thing of us? I mean, considering he did it for you. And that's why I don't mind listening to that video earlier because we get a sense that Jesus is not who you think he is. Mm -hmm. Jesus is somebody. He's not something. Jesus is a true king of all power and majesty, the son of God. But how many of us see him in that light? When you pray to him, do you realize who you're praying to? Do you realize who you're talking to? I mean, and if we even had a glimpse of who he truly was, oh, you would have fear. And you would have a lot of love because you know what? Someone so great and so powerful and, and all-knowing has patience for you and he has gentleness. He has goodness. But he doesn't have to be that way. That's the point that, that we're making here. That we got to understand who our God is. He's not some chump. He's not some wimp or someone you can take for granted. Did you hear that story with what the guy said? And those people flew out just by the authority of his words. That made you think about how Lucifer felt like lightning to have, you know, from heaven. But man, we don't want to wait to the end to understand this. We want to know this Jesus Christ. Imagine having him. What would you give up for the King of Kings? Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have also obeyed, not in, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which knoweth, which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So why did the Lord make us? The Bible makes clear, I think it's in Peter, for his good pleasure. 
That's why he made us. You ain't man. You ain't said nothing more than that. Nope. There's nothing else. Just for the good pleasure of the Lord. You know. So, verse um, fourteen. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye be that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shall I mean ye shine as lights in the world. So in order to be the lights in the world, you see how he says we won't be blameless of a crook a crooked and perverse nation? I mean, the whole world is in wickedness. Verse 16, holding forth the word of, of the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I um, have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So it's possible to run and labor in vain. We can do what we want to do, but God didn't tell you to do that. So everything that we do for the Lord, we want to count. We want it to bear fruit, not because it's what we wanted to do, but it's because it's what he instructed us to do. Them that are of Christ, verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So Paul is feeling good about serving. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy as shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So there'll be no man that will naturally care for you except those that are of Christ. For all seek their own, not the things which are of which are Christ, which are Jesus Christ, but ye know. Uh, the proof of him that as a son with the father he hath served with me in the gospel so he's saying you know you rely on the world and that's why I said we got to be there for each other because we you know outside of believers you just got the world you've got people that are full of wickedness that do things for their will and not the will of the Lord who can you trust those who are of Christ if you be of Christ why? Because they fear their Lord. They esteem others like the Lord esteems us. It is important that we, we want this because the world can give you nothing that can compare to this. I mean, think about it. Everything that we own, we don't even own. So, I mean, you may as well, we can be a part of Jesus. That is a promise. So let us just give him the glory. Let's go to Second um, Corinthians 5 and then I'm done from there. Start at verse 1. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. All right, so it says, uh, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Just what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Lay up treasures in heaven where neither thief nor rust corrupts. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Uh, if so be that uh, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. 
So, you know, being clothed upon the Lord, we won't be found naked. That means not having a God or that that means not lacking. That means that God is supplying everything that we need. And that's why Jesus said, what profit is it for us to gain the whole world and to lose your soul? There is nothing you can exchange for your soul. Verse 4, for we are, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Uh, now he that um, has wrought us uh, for the selfsame thing as God, who also have given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. So that's why Jesus said it is important that we be as our master. Why? Because he's giving you everything you need. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. You've got to believe that. Verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So, man, think about it. If your mind is eternal and your mind is focused on Jesus and you know that eternal life is a bigger thing to you than this life, what wouldn't you do for Jesus? See, what, what scares a lot of people is not just fear of losing your identity, but fear of death. Most people fear death. Why? Because you don't know what's on the other side of things. But that's why God is calling for us to walk in faith. The words that Jesus Christ has spoken, we have to believe. And believe me, if you draw closer to the Lord, as the Bible says, he will draw closer to you. And your faith will grow because he'll reveal more of himself. But it begins in believing first. Because, you know, the world will tell you seeing is believing. I say believe and then you may see. That's what uh, Michael was talking about Sunday. you got to believe first. And then you'll see what God can do. All right, so it says... Um, Verse 9, wherefore we labor that uh, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So, you know, it is important that we love the Lord, but he's talking about, man, terror of the Lord. You know, so the Lord is nothing to be played around with. And I know people don't want to paint this picture because we, we think, how can you love someone that's so terrifying? You just got to recognize you're on the winning side and you want to stay on the winning side. He is all that is right. So we should have a healthy dose of fear of the Lord because you know why we go to work every day? Because we fear getting fired. We fear having no food. We fear having no water. This is why we do the things that we do. But if you fear God, what won't you do for him? See, it's the same thing. It's where your fear is directed. If it's directed to that which will make you do, then that's good. But if it's against God, then it's the wrong kind of fear. But if you fear him... There's nothing you wouldn't do for him. He's not asking you to be, you know, fearful to the point of, you know, petrified. He's just saying, hey, fear me. Don't take me for granted. Do what I'm telling you to do. And because of that, Paul said, um, 
but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So because of the fear of the Lord, they persuade men of the truth. You know, man, I, yeah, I might be afraid to talk to you about this, but you know something? I fear God that I didn't do what he told me to do. So it's important that we obey him. Verse 12, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is uh, for your cause. So you see, if we are absent of self, if we are conscious of God, we know that all things that we do for the Lord are for him. But if we um, are sober to ourselves, then we only think of the things that how it affects us. For our cause, we have to lose consciousness of us that we might do God's will. As long as you want something in it for you, you can't serve him. And I'm not talking about basic necessities. I'm talking about going after things that don't profit, things that hinder you from walking with Christ. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then, we, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. You see that? But unto him which died for them and rose again. So, you know, if we're doing what we want in our bodies aside from God, we are riding around with a stolen car. We are taking something that does not belong to us that is only that only belongs to him. He made you. So, you know, let's be the best that we can be and, and have full potential in him. Let us have the glorified body one day and pursue him. Man, don't you want to see what God can do in you? Because you've already seen what the world can do, and it's really not that big. Everything on the outside is nice, but on the inside, you're still a regular person. But a man full of Christ in 2017, man, I long to see that. Not for my glory, but for Jesus Christ. For all those people that said he didn't exist, and he's this and that. Man, here you are right here, you know, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, doing the will of God. And you can say when they come to glorify you, oh, no, that Jesus Christ that you didn't believe existed, this is who's responsible for this. I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. Jesus Christ is who did this. All right, I'm going to finish up right now. So it says, uh, verse 6, uh, uh, I think we're 16. It says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So you can't know Jesus after the flesh, and this is why I try and tell these people, these black Hebrew Israelites that talk about Jesus was black, you know what, I don't care if he was turquoise, the bottom line is this, we don't know him after the flesh. We only know him and how we know God, spirit to spirit. We are all one blood under Christ if we believe. You know, these people point up some silly things. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So what is it important that we do? 
reconciliation. Can anybody look up the meaning? Because the um, Hebrew has a better meaning, or the Greek has a better meaning than um, what I'm about to say. But it's talking about like bringing love to the brethren or bringing unity to the brethren. I believe that's what reconciliation means. But, you know, it is to bring people alive unto Jesus, that they may serve him. People need a fair chance at that. Uh, to wit that God was uh, in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have uh, committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Jesus' stead. Be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So it is so important that we get introduced to Christ, we introduce others to Jesus, that they may know him, because that's what them that are of Christ would do. We learn that we have to walk in the Spirit. We learn we have to be led by the Spirit. We learn that nothing can mean more to you than Him. And we learn that we have to know Him. So, you know, I just want to tell everybody with that, I love you. It's just something to strive for, to get to know Jesus and be more into Him. Because He is the only real thing that matters. Alright, so from here, anyone else who wants to present Ken, that is the lesson for tonight. Oh, yeah, sorry. Bible? Yeah, okay. that's fine. It says, uh, reconciliation is the act whereby God, on the basis of Christ's death, has eliminated the cause of hostility between himself and humanity, mm -hmm. making possible a complete and maturing fellowship. Mm -hmm. The hostility was caused by sin and was eliminated by the cross. And that's just perfect, because that's what we were talking about tonight, maturing in Christ. You know, not just about you, but it's about Jesus Christ. So we got to think God word. All right. I'm done. All right. I'm going to have us go to Joel chapter 3, verse 1. kind of interesting that that video was played tonight because I prayed and asked the Lord the word to direct me and he took me here and I was like I didn't know why he took me here and then he played that video tonight and I was like oh makes perfect sense yeah <laughs> no trying involved, you just do. Alright, so when everybody's there, just let me know. Alright, so I'll start reading here. Joel chapter 3 and verse 1. For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations, and I will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, which means a, a valley of judgment. And will plead with them there for my people and for my, and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine 
that they might drink. So this was happening in Israel's day as well, but this is also going to come around to our day as well because these things are already somewhat going on. Um, they're not as... Well, they, it is becoming more known that these things are happening, but if it said here, a boy for a harlot, um, so this can even go to where a family or like if a, 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 a father has a son or a woman has a daughter or whatever, but they want that sexual immorality more than their children, then they're going to give those things up. And that's even happening in today's time. You, you can see that out in the streets and stuff. Um, so we'll keep reading. Yea, and what have you done with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of uh, Palestine? Will you render me a recompense? And if ye recompense me, swiftly and speedily will I return your recompense upon you, upon your own head. So what he's saying here is, is that a recompense is what somewhat like a, a judgment. So these, he's saying here is that if you come and you try and judge me, judge God, then I'm going to come upon you for all the things that you have done, and I will come upon you swiftly, speedily. Verse 5. Because ye have taken my silver and my gold. It's interesting we were talking about that in the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's like you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried it into your temples and have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem ye have sold unto the Grecians that ye might remove them far from their borders. Behold, I will raise them out of the place whither ye have sold them, and will return the, and, and will return your recompense upon your own head. So God is saying here that He's going to gather His people back, but all of His children, not just Israel. It's going to be those of the adoption as well. And it's like no matter how far you have taken them away, no matter how far you've tried to push them out of their borders and whatnot, God is the only one that can bring His people back. And this is why our salvation with him must be secure in him. So that day, when he brings his people back, we will be accounted part of that. Verse 8. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to the people afar off, for the Lord has spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up your mighty men. Let all the mighty men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning, pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. So this is also speaking of future prophecy of what's going to happen in the end when, when all of the, the armies... And multitudes and everything try and come against God in that in those last days, and He's saying here, go ahead and gather all your mighty men together, gather them all together. Let's see what let's see what you got. Wake them up. Let's go. Let's get ready for war because God is a God of war. But in these last days, when when all these people try and gather themselves together against God, they're not going to have anything to stand on because God's going to come back and He's going to judge this land for all the evil that it has done. And it doesn't matter how many men they've got. It won't matter how much they try and come against him. It's not going to stand. And this is what he's saying here. Verse 12. 
Let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fat overflow, for the wickedness is great. And that is also spoken of in Revelations 14 and 19. Yep, the wine press is full, and the, the sickle then is going to be judgment. You know, the, there's going to be one sickle for all those that believe in Jesus Christ, and they're going to be uh, pulled out, and then there's going to be another sickle for the judgment of all those that don't believe in him, and that is where it said, um, you mentioned it before, where the, the blood is going to be up to the, the bridle of the horses. You know, it's going to be, we don't want to be on that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The guy in the video that we listened to with his dreams, how he talked about um, the lady who um, did a Facebook post who, you know, um, led astray 30,000 people and the blood was on her hands. Like, mm -hmm. that just reminded me of, like, this in the wine press. And, um, oh, yeah. A vivid picture of John Bypath's blood. Oh, yeah. The dangerous thing to do is teach because you got to know mm -hmm. what you're saying. You know, if you don't, you're very pressed for that, you know, teaching something untrue. I mean, people end up falling away from the Lord. Man, even if it's like, thing. even if it's like a, a joke meme, that is supposed to be innocent, and you're taking like, you know, I saw someone put on Facebook about, um, they had a manger scene, and the wise men came up, and uh, it said Mary said, oh look, essential oils, and they said, well even baby Jesus needed oil, so I'm like, even something like that making light of it you know and I don't I don't celebrate Christmas anyways but it's the fact that you're taking that and you're trying to slap your market on that even something to that degree we, we really got to think about what we're saying to people in every situation because you know like I said, she got she got judged for how the people took it you know and that it's just you know there's gonna be a great price for that okay um Yeah, yeah, 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decisions. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall draw, withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and the rivers of Judah shall flow with water, and the fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. So we see here we got, what did you say again? We got the uh, the, the new wine. We Not got like new blood, like new in Christ, or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like all these things, you know, it says a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth, right? So all things are going to be made new. 
in in you know after this old world passes away it's going to be yeah. all new again mm-hmm. so verse 19 Egypt shall be desolate and Edom shall be desolate shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land but Judah shall dwell forever in Jerusalem from generation to generation I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed for the Lord dwelleth in Zion so it's also been said and I believe it to be true that you know when we when we get to heaven if we make it in before we can make it in one of the things that this guy was speaking about tonight is that all the sins that he had not uh, that have not been cleansed out of his life that's all got to be purged out of us before we get into heaven and that's not going to be a very fun experience because it, it's just that's got to come out mm-hmm. in order for us to be like Jesus Christ all of that has to come out mm-hmm. and this is what this is speaking about too is that everything that had not been cleansed is going to be cleansed so you know again I didn't know why the Lord gave this to me tonight until I heard that video and I was like okay it <laughs> makes sense mm-hmm. but it is just really it is true that we our lives have to be hidden Christ everything that we're not doing everything that I'm not doing for Christ it's like we got to give it to him so he can live in us because you know we're not promised tomorrow and i pray that every one of us if we really want to seek the lord pray for a vision for something that really helps us grow in him So my understanding of like the new one is like the Holy Spirit, like mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord falling down. Um, First Corinthians one. called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenes I don't know what that is Sothenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye are called unto the work, unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Jesus Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, 
by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but, I don't know how to say these Crispus names. Crispus and Gaius. Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. So, just the theme here is Jesus Christ. Paul, of course, is a great man of God, loves God, lived his whole life, well, once Christ came in for God and for Jesus Christ. And that's something, it's the exact same as us, you know. We go through this life, all of our struggles, everything that we're going through, but ultimately it's for Jesus Christ. We have like all these awesome examples. We have teachers in Christ, but Jesus Christ, that's what it's about. So for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So, to them that perish, foolishness. And we just talked about the ones that sin, they're the devils, right? And sin leads unto death. But unto us that are saved, this wisdom is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and it will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So already we know nothing here can do anything for us other than Jesus Christ. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So us outwardly speaking the gospel is pleasing in God's sight. That's why we do it. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. So, preaching this rock of Christ, it's a stumbling block. It's going gonna, it's gonna to offend. It's going to rattle people up. That's what it's there for, is to shake things up. Absolutely. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to not things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. 
But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. That's all I got. No, that's awesome because, you know, while you were sitting there saying that the Lord chose people like Peter, you know, a fisherman, limited to no education to represent him because why if it was someone that you know was uh, you know college educated it would make and there's nothing it's not even about college education but you know people would assume that wisdom came from school not from Christ so he chose the people that knew nothing people that had nothing to show the Pharisees who were the well educated hey man my power is in you know, those who I place, but he didn't want any flesh glorified. Like, how can you ignorant and unlearned men do all these things in Christ? So even Paul, after all he learned in his education, he said, man, now that I know Christ, I count those things as dumb, you know, to have him. Man, I was wasting my time until I found Christ. All right, so who's uh, going to pray out tonight? The volunteers, Carlin, all right. Dear Heavenly Father, as we humbly bow our heads, Lord, in submission unto you, we just ask that your presence fall down, Lord. Just cover us with your spirit so we may fall under one accord, Lord, and give us the words to speak. Father, I just want to welcome a new life into this ministry, Lord Jesus. We pray blessings upon that life, Father. And Lord, we just pray for all your wisdom, Lord, the wisdom from above, to guide us in all truth and knowledge, Father. And Lord, as we're walking day to day in our walks, Father, please just be the one that's guiding us, Lord. We're open to your truth. We're open to your provocation. Lord, just help us be fortified, grounded, and rooted inside of you. And, Lord, give us the boldness, Father, to speak, Lord, no matter who's there, no matter if it's a boss, Lord Jesus, or anyone over us, Lord. But we don't become respecters of persons, Father, but we pray that we're just glorifying you, Lord, because all the glory belongs to you. And, Father, we have some new pieces to the ministry coming in, and we just pray Lord, that they're going to stick it out and follow and preach in the truth just for you, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that more will come as well, Lord. And even more importantly than just the ministry, us preaching your gospel, Father, because we know that the end time is coming, Lord. And as this world is growing more and more deceived, Father, we just pray that false prophets, antichrists, any spirits, unclean spirits, they'll be revealed, Lord, by your true sons. So, Father, I just pray the Holy Spirit fire over our city, Lord Jesus. We just pray that you're purging it, Father, just making the way for you to come back, Lord. And, Father, we submit all to you, Father, so we have no ties to the world, but we use the world and we are not controlled by it or of it, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. In your most holy and righteous name we pray. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.